Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Fast Mail and Privacy. I'm Simone de Rochefort, a senior video producer at Polygon, and I'm here with Brianna Wu, Executive Director of Rebellion Pack, and Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft and Good Person. <laughs> How are we doing tonight? <laughs> I, I, I'm frustrated. I was telling Christina, I I was studying for the show and I was left on a cliffhanger about exploding power supplies and and, and, uh, and I'm bummed because I want to know how it turns out. Carry that energy into the okay. show. Let it fuel okay. you. Let it give okay. you power. We've got an exciting show for you tonight. We'll, of course, be talking about... Uh, a topic that we thought we were rocket ruled on last week, but which it turns out it's good that we were rocket ruled on. It's the only fan situation. And then we'll be following that up with a discussion of uh, some exploding power supply units. Just a fun time over here at Rocket. And then we'll have a fun, fun marble flavored dessert for you. But first, only fans, only problems. <laughs> So OnlyFans <laughs> rocket ruled us last week with an announcement that there would no longer be adult content allowed on the platform. And as the story continued to develop, uh, certain things became clear. By adult content, they didn't mean nudity. They meant sort of like simulated sexual scenes and things like that. Uh, and what also became clear. And, and, and nudity of genitals. Yes. Well, yeah, nudity of genitals. There there are uh, chest areas involved. And I think like, anyway, that getting a little <laughs> in the weeds on the specific genital nudity that was or wasn't going to be allowed with the October 1st policy change. I want to hear you delineate it for complete reporting, <laughs> Simone. I, I need to. I shan't. <laughs> uh, what then became clear is that like OnlyFans is in a situation where, of course, it has exploded in popularity over the last year. It's been around for a few years as a sort of a, a paywalled app where creators can share fan exclusive content. It is used by a lot of sex workers. It's also used by musicians, uh, rappers like Cardi B have only fans, uh, other kinds of creators use it to in, in the same way that people use Patreon to gain uh, to, to get money from their fans from subscribers and fund their work. Uh, but OnlyFans became increasingly associated with um, pornography and sex workers who use the app to make a living, uh, especially last year when it became unsafe to, say, meet people in the flesh, as it were. <laughs> uh, it's just become increasingly visible as a, a resource for sex workers to, to make a living on. However... Their presence there has caused OnlyFans to become a $1 billion <laughs> organization. Uh, they, I think, made $2 billion last year and are slash were on track to double that this year. And they were seeking uh, outside funding from investors, trying to court investors who should ostensibly be attracted to that $1 billion. And what happened is that they encountered, say, organizations like banks who, with the increasing visibility of OnlyFans, started being uncomfortable about being used as go-betweens between OnlyFans Bank and the payments that are being sent out to creators uh, and transferred from bank to bank. 
Um, and OnlyFans decided to combat that by lighting itself on fire <laughs> in the most incredible way possible, uh, throwing sex workers under the bus and throwing like, let's be real. There, there's a lot of kinds of creators on OnlyFans. It is mostly th- the popularity that it has is because of the explicit content that is on there. And also the notoriety that it has. Yes. Yes. Um, So anyway, people, everyone was very upset about this. (laughs) They've been upset for a week. Makes sense because it's, I think you, Christina, and many other people compared it to Tumblr uh, after the Yahoo purchase being like, "Uh uh-oh, wait, there's pornography on this platform. We've got to get rid of that. And then seeing their traffic just like go down into the sewer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only thing I would point out there is that Tumblr resisted the urge for a long time. I think it was like after Yahoo sold to Verizon that then Verizon was like, wait, what did we buy? Mm. And everybody was like, yes. Yeah, the only thing that got the traffic was the porn. Yeah. you You, you knew that, right? And everybody's like, what? Everybody's like, I'm shocked. I am shocked. The whole point of the traffic on this site is is um, uh, usually um, uh, pirated copies of pornography that have been re-uploaded. I'm shocked and appalled. Whoopsie. And everybody else was like, everybody else was like, yeah, but see, that's what it is. Anyway, go on. Uh, I think, yeah, th- that summarizes it pretty well. What has happened now, this week, the latest development coming in right uh, anti-rocket rule with anti-rocket rule timing in time for us to record this show is that OnlyFans is walking this back. I put that in sort of air quotes because we're not sure exactly right now. They've just announced it on Twitter and sent an email out to creators uh, saying, if I am having the tweet here, we have secured assurances necessary to support our diverse creator community and that they are suspending the October 1st policy change. Uh, this does not automatically get them out of hot water because, as you can imagine, over the last week, a lot of creators have jumped ship um, and their sort of <laughs> their reputation, <laughs> whatever it is has become one of uh, a company that doesn't understand like uh, clearly they do understand their own value because the the CEO is in financial times saying it's the bank's fault we know we've got sex workers on here it's, <laughs> it's we're sorry um but i don't know it's just handled in such a chaotic way so that is my setup how do you feel about this yeah yeah i was going to say the one other context that i would add is that I think what led people to be even more upset about the the lead up to the announcement before, obviously, they, you know, um, uh, were like, never mind, never mind, forget about it, uh, was that they had been trying to launch like their safe for work kind of version, like like OnlyFans mm. TV, like a, like a, like an app experience where oh, we love they were kind of paying experience. people with exposure. And they were kind of being like, hey, we can be in the app store because it can't be in the app store for understandable reasons. Yeah. Um, like there's there's no way. Um even if you wouldn't get into things like, uh, you know, in-app purchase percentages and whatnot, uh, there's no way that this sort of application would ever be allowed in like Google uh, Play or, or the App Store because most of the content that people buy are photos of and videos of pornography. So um, they've been trying to like launch the safer work thing where they've also been like trying to court like regular creators. They've very been clearly over like the the weeks and months leading up then leading up to this been trying to make it seem as if the brand is not what the brand is. And the brand yeah. is that 
this is porn. Like, let's just be totally honest about it. Like, other people use it, and I'm not saying that. And, and I could even argue you could make a good business white labeling the product they've built because I've never used OnlyFans, but from what I understand, what is compelling about it from both creators and users is that creators can give content they can create a single piece of content and give it to as many users as they want if the user gives them, you know, a tip or other things, but they can also gate content only for certain people or they could create content just for individuals. That's actually very different um, even than what Patreon does and I think could be compelling for different types of of creators. Mm -hmm. So I think you can make the argument, yeah, this could be broader than its current use case. Having said that, its brand and its use case is... 99.9%, I'm sure, in terms of the revenue, um, either like actual pornography or, you know, people who are doing like near nudes, erotica, whatever type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, so they, but but, that I think that would have been led into what made the the blowback even more severe is that they'd had like this, they'd been making these efforts to be like, oh no, but we're not, we're not just the porn place. See, we, 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 we can be, you know, cool for everyone. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Dude, no, you're <laughs> you're the porn place. Yeah. I mean, just own it. Just own it. That's your yeah. brand. That's your well, thing. Well, I, I, I think that's fair. But also when it when it comes to forces like banks refusing to to make their transactions, I think the quote from the in Financial Times is that the Bank of New York Mellon flagged and rejected every wire that they that they were trying to send, which is a business ruining occurrence. So like I I'm definitely not sympathetic to them, but I also I, the problem is is deeply structural. I would I'm curious about that, right? Like I I don't disagree with you, but I I kind of I'm I would like if I had done the interview and and I'm I'm sure the reporter probably did, but this would have been a thing where I would have maybe tried to push back some. Like what do you mean your your bank is flagging these things? Why are they flagging these things? What are they looking for? Is your reporting accurate? If you're paying out they claim um, $300 million a month, mm-hmm. uh, which is an insane amount of money to go through. I would think that most banks who are processing that amount of transactions would have questions. So my first question would be, okay, are they mm. flagging you because of your content or are they flagging you because you're not doing something correctly on your end to make sure you're in compliance? That is a good question. Honestly, also, there are plenty of other banks out there and, and big banks who won't necessarily have these same issues. Are the banking and credit card systems puritanical and are they anti-sex work? Yes, they are. That is not a question. However, this is not as if this is an impossible business to be in. Like people bring up Pornhub and the fact that they can't take Visa and MasterCard right now. Well, you know, I'm sorry, but Pornhub allowed underage content to be uploaded to their site and then didn't take it down in an efficient manner. So Pornhub has to deal with what Mm -hmm. they deal with. Also, Pornhub's parent company, I should point out, owns almost every major um, porn studio in North America and has payment processors that work with all of them. So Pornhub proper can't take credit cards, but all the studios and other things they run sure can. So like, just because it's more expensive to find a credit card processor that deals with adult content. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Like one of the reasons is, um, yes, because of puritanical, you know, like stuff, a, a just as good reason is that there's a ton of fraud when it comes to adult content, like mm-hmm. an unbelievable amount of fraud. And so that means that banks have to take on and credit card processors have to take on 
increased risks, which means that when you have those processors or banks who will deal with that, they usually will require higher requirements and higher fees. That's just how it works. That's that's and and that shouldn't be new to anybody who's involved with OnlyFans because their biggest investor owned or still owns like one of the biggest like camming sites. So I, I don't know. Mm. I, I push back a little bit on on some of their excuses because without knowing why the banks are flagging stuff and what they're doing that just it, it just doesn't sit right with me to think that there's no way they could find another bank who'd be willing to deal with $300 million a month in transactions. I mean, like banks are in it to make money and 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 your what whatever fees you're getting associated with that account are not going to be insubstantial. Yeah. Yeah, I also in 100% Christina completely agree with that. Um I also think there's the issue of investor hesitance to get involved in the the sex working space and the pornography yeah. space. A really good friend of mine uh, is Cindy Gallup. She is for for years now a former advertising executive, brilliant woman. For years now, she's been trying to get Make Love Not Porn launched and this is I think it's a brilliant idea. It's porn for the female gaze because women Men like to watch porn too, right? And so, you know, it's it's something with a very clear built-in market. And she's been trying to get investors. It's been an uphill battle. This is a woman with 10 out of 10 bona fides in the making money business. And it's just absolutely crazy that she can't get funded. So it's like, uh, do you know what I mean? This is like an area where people are just bizarre about uh, about uh, being involved with and it's like y'all it's it's 2021 no one cares anymore people just don't and and get over it you know i i mean i guess the, the to complicate it further uh so there was this bbc investigation that the verge wrote about uh yeah. about only fans sort of compliance manual for how to how moderators should deal with illegal content which uh, i believe OnlyFans has said nope not ours but there are edits shown from uh from people who like work at the company in the document um saying like you if somebody posts illegal content you can give them three warnings but if it's somebody with a lot of subscribers give them additional warnings um which and 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 then just other uh kind of terrible terrible stuff like people uh exploiting homeless people on the app according to this verge report as well as of course child abuse images which i i I will say that is a a huge huge problem it is not an only fans exclusive problem because every single social media website deals with that um i i i do think that there is some singling out of only fans because of its reputation and because of the paywall which kind of makes it a black box but the the platform is definitely not without its Problem. So I, I think that these are also all facts or factors that uh, payment processors are taking into account. Oh, I'm sure it is. I would say I personally didn't find the the BBC's argument that they felt like their investigation had anything to do with it. I didn't find that compelling at all. Yeah, um, I agree. With they that, had, actually, I, they, they have they have a document that shows maybe some unclear policies about how they do enforcement of rules. To me, that's nothing. Additionally, you know, they, a lot of people, and I got into arguments with people over the weekend, which is stupid to do on Twitter <laughs> because it's just dumb. But like people were like trying to be like, it's MasterCard's fault. And I'm like, 
it's I don't think it is. Um, like again, I'm yeah, not. I think I'm that's not saying, discounted as well. Oh yeah, no. The CEO flat out said that it wasn't impacted. Mastercard has changed some of their policies about how they'll deal with stuff, and certainly it creates a much higher like headache and and more friction for places like OnlyFans to make sure that their uh, creators are of age and that the content that they're putting out is appropriate. Like that is absolutely true. It certainly creates more friction for them, but it doesn't make what they're doing impossible. Um, I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, I think to me that was what was so galling about this whole like OnlyFans thing is that it's like, I don't even know. I mean, I know that many people who are creators and OnlyFans refer to themselves as sex workers, but I don't even know if I would consider like selling photos of yourself or whatever. I don't even know if like that's in many cases, properly sex work. I, I don't think that's really what the discussion is about. And that I'm not really interested in like litigating what is and what isn't sex work. Well, uh, well, no, my, my, my point being though, is that there's nothing illegal at all about pornography. That's my point. Yes, that's a good point. Like the, the, that, that, that I, I'm not trying to litigate the definitions. I'm trying to say this is not the same as what you could say things in Backpage and some of these other things are, which look, I have problems yeah. with FOSTA and SESTA and all that stuff too. But you could make an argument that there are legal things there. There's nothing illegal about people over the age of 18, you know, selling photographs of, of their body parts as long as yeah. everyone consents. There's nothing, there's nothing there that's illegal. So I don't know. I felt like a lot of like the conversation shifted from, you know, blaming what I still feel like. And I, I'm curious in, in your your two thoughts, but I still feel like this was something where they've been they're trying to raise money. They're trying to get more in, um, investor, you know, like bona fides. And no matter what the CEO says and claims, oh, we don't care about, you know, re- reputational respect and whatnot. No, they're trying to cash out their biggest shareholder. And they thought that maybe they could do this. And it backfired yeah. on them in a big way. And now suddenly banks are shockingly lining up because they see what numbers they have and they're going, oh, yes, we would like your business because (laughs) you're paying out $300 million a month in wires. We would love those. We would love your business. Please let us let us work with Mm -hmm. you. Yeah, I'm not bringing up the BBC investigation so much to say like it's a reason. But as with any social media platform, we can't come out like flags waving, guns blazing, like yay OnlyFans because like they have the same problems that everyone else does. 100% 100% makes sense. Uh, before we move on, I just want to note that Jim excoriated, Jim Mesendorf, our wonderful editor, uh, excoriated us uh, yet again today for cursing on last week's episode. So I'm going to try to do this without incurring oh, Brie, any more wrath. Don't of, do this to uh, me. Of, <laughs> so, uh, Simone, I just, want, I, I just want for the completeness of journalism to make sure I understand their new policies. Uh, under OnlyFans' new policies, will you be able to monetize pictures of a love taco? Brianna. <laughs> I believe the answer is no. No. Okay. What about a disco stick? You're killing <laughs> I, I believe this is like Jeopardy. The answer is also no. Uh, what about the D-Train? Uh-oh, the D-Train. Um, as a New Yorker, I hope so. Okay. Uh, what about meat curtains? Will you be able to monetize that? Definitely oh, not, unless you run a specialty butcher shop. Okay. Uh, what about the the the, the, the Swishman? What website are you on, and can I block the IP address from your computer? 
I'm just asking some questions. You are poisoning your mind, young lady. Oh, you you okay. mustn't traffic in these things. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been on Twitter too much. <laughs> Can I ask a serious question? Yes. Do you guys think that this will actually, like, the, the blowback from the... Um, uh, the reversal, like the decision reversal, do you think this will actually have an impact on people choosing to be on or not be on OnlyFans? Or do you think that this might even increase the number of people who check out OnlyFans because of the controversy? Curious. Ooh. That's a good question. I don't know. Like, the reporting is indicating that people are jumping ship to other platforms. I don't know what those platforms are. Uh, I, I'm sure they're out there, but I don't know. I I feel like even though OnlyFans did betray its creators in this extremely visible way, when it comes to the like 130 million user audience that is on there, I don't think any of its competitors have that. So I I I, I think it's possible that they could recoup. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, <sighs> I, I think that most sex workers are probably going to stay with it. And I think it's probably going to increase the amount of traffic that they get, to be honest with you. I mean, it seems like these scandals come up and no one ends up suffering, right? It's just entertainment yeah. <laughs> for everyone involved. Yeah. I would say, I would think anybody who uses this, this is a reminder to, look at having backup plans because I, I think that this has shown that regardless of the decisions that they've made now and what they're saying now, this is a company that very easily could change its mind. Yeah. So that would be the only thing I would say for anyone who relies on OnlyFans to make an income, to think about this the same way that you think about, like, if you if you work at Medium or if you post to Medium, you should know that using Medium is a crapshoot because they change business models every six months <laughs> and it's not reliable. Yep. I would kind of say the same thing with this. I'd be like, I think this is probably where the audience is going to be. Um, I would definitely try to look at ways to potentially, A, make sure that you're capturing, you know, like information insofar as you can, if you know, from from uh, your subscribers and, you know, like looking at, at other platforms to diversify on just in case mm -hmm. they, they do make changes um, again in the future. Yeah. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Fastmail. Fastmail is putting you first by prioritizing privacy and usability. Haha, <laughs> I thought they were putting F first. F for fast. But anyway, unlike some other email services that can sell your information, Fastmail keeps advertisers out of your inbox by putting you in control of your data so that you can focus on your workflow, knowing that your privacy is protected with a business model that leaves advertisers out. Cast them out. Fastmail works great with the built-in mail, calendar, and contacts apps on macOS and iOS, in addition to offering a great web client. The open source elements put you in control of your workflow with all of the tools to do things your way. So you can set up processing systems that eliminate unwanted mail and prioritize what's important automatically. I don't know. I, I imagine most people are like me and that email is the cornerstone of one's workflow. It is constantly open. And if you look away from it for too long, it becomes a very scary place. 
So having the tools to control that and to prioritize things that are like actually useful, so important. For over 20 years, FastMail has been keeping customer data private. It's one of the longest operating and most trusted email services in the world. To be part of the very best in email, go directly to the source and try FastMail. Just go to fastmail.com slash rocket to get started on this very day. That is fastmail.com slash rocket for a free month and 10% discount off your first year. That's again, fastmail.com slash rocket. Thank you so much for your support of this show and Relay FM. Ha ha ha. For our second topic today, a sort of mini scam town for you with a hard tech edge. So, uh, and one that our very own Christina Warren is involved in. So remember back now, currently in the, the craze rush for GPUs, well, Newegg was selling a GPU bundle, uh, these gigabyte GPUs bundled with, uh, who doesn't need one? A power supply unit, also from Gigabyte. Uh, you purchased one yourself in, in February. I did. People... Uh, have been reporting. So initially, first of all, even before the bundle happened, these uh, power supply units had god-awful reviews on vendors like Newegg. And people were just reporting that they were awful, they broke, uh, they broke not just themselves, but other equipment <laughs> that they were that they were interacting with, and not a great track record. Now, Gamers Nexus, the YouTube channel, has done a lot of testing of, I, I think, did they say 50? Uh, of these units? I think so. I think so. Yeah. So it's spread out, it's spread out across a 750 watt and an 850 watt um, unit. And so they, I, I'm not sure of the exact total number, but. You know what I might be thinking of? The number 50 is the percentage of units that failed. Uh, I was going to say, I didn't think it was <laughs> 50, but I, think, but I think, but, but, but it was, it was, it was close to 10. I think it was, it was, um, they had a, a large quantity of them mm-hmm. come in. It wasn't just like they had one or two. Ones that they purchased and ones also that people sent to them for testing. So they found that basically some of these power supply units were just straight up blowing up, you know, like sparking out, um, terrible terrible stuff. And despite this, uh, Newegg was selling them in, in, in bundles with these GPUs. And additionally, even once news of the uh, PSUs being defective got out, Gigabyte had this archaic and almost impossible process for reporting that and returning it. First of all, Newegg would not accept the PSU uh, to be returned unless you also sent in the perfectly functional GPU, which for people... Which is the whole reason that you buy the thing to begin with. Like, to be clear, no one wants this this PSU. You get it because the only way you can get a 3080 is if they're also throwing in a $100... Um, or $115 power supply that they can't get rid of otherwise. Like, that's the only reason yeah. that you buy this thing. Like, you're not choosing, oh, this is what I want. Like, you're, no, it, it's thrown in the box. Which is really it. twisting the knife when you, your power supply unit blows up and then Newegg is like, now give us back the 3080. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Christina, what is the situation with Gigabyte? Tell me why returning uh, things is so difficult with them right now. Okay, so I think that they're... I 
I'm not sure if they're Chinese or if they're Taiwanese. They're based in Asia. And so that already create. and then they have a bunch of different subsidiaries like uh, Gigabyte USA, Gigabyte, you know, like Canada, Gigabyte, like Australia, whatever. So that already makes it difficult to get in contact with them because they have so many different subsidiaries. But then to actually submit your RMA, you have to use their website, which very recently was hacked with ransomware. So people, you know, who who sent in like dead products have no idea where it is in their systems, <sighs> what the process of the returns are, because Gigabyte apparently, at least this is what, what Jay's Two Cents was pointing out in a video that he did. Like, it seems like they just decommissioned the servers rather than paying the ransomware amount, which, oh, no. you know, valid. So, so there are tons of people who already have situations where they don't know what the status of the repairs are. And like, you better hope that you took, you know, photographs and saved screenshots and, and emails of everything that you sent in, you know, so that you can file a complaint or whatever. But their systems just seem to be completely backed up. So it could be, God only knows, like when you'll receive a replacement unit back. But beyond that, let's say that even if they didn't have this ransomware RMA SAFU, the best case scenario, what Gigabyte is saying, is that they will replace the PSU with a, with another PSU of the same series hmm. that's apparently, I guess, been fixed. But there's been no like breakdown or investigation or... I think at this point, proof on their part, like that says this is safe. Like this needs to be properly recalled. Like uh, uh, Gamers Nexus has done three videos now, and their third video, which they they put up today, or, or maybe it went up yesterday, um, they actually did a real time speed run of showing how quickly they could get one of these things to blow. And and to go into some of the technical terms of what's going on with this is that the uh, uh, power supplies are supposed to have kind of built-in toggles that if they receive too much power, they shut off for safety. Like that's one of the core things they're supposed to do. So if it, if it receives too much of a power surge, like it's supposed to just shut itself off. And most good power supplies do that. Most power supplies also... Um, even if it says that it's rated at 850 watts, it might be able to take that amount. In some cases, it might be able to take a spike more than that, at least with good ones. Like the some of the Corsair power supplies can actually be rated to take more um, of, of the spike of that. And then if it if it's overloaded completely, then it's supposed to shut off. What's happening with these is that instead of shutting off, it's just kind of like blowing its fuse and then blowing up. Now, usually in a lot of these situations, you wouldn't necessarily have a problem where you would have systems that would be consuming more power um, than what the power supply can support. That that usually wouldn't be a concern. Here's the thing. These have been bundled with 3080s and 3090s and, and other high-end graphic cards that take a ton of power. Like I think like mm-hmm. the 3090 is takes over 300 watts on its own. The 3080, I think, is 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 closing in at that. And so once you power that with, you know, um, your uh, monitors and, and, and your chip and other stuff, you suddenly have systems and fans, you suddenly have systems that, you know, might have with a different GPU been very comfortable in the 500 watt range. Yeah, they could they could spike past 750 watts, and and these things haven't been manufactured well enough, from, at least from from the testing that that Steve and and his team at Gamers X done, as well as some other hardware testers. That just shows that if they receive too much power, they're blowing up, and that's real real bad. And, and then in some cases, they're they're even DOA. You know, there are all these reports on Newegg of people get them. I'm like, I plugged it in, and it was immediately dead. So oh. something's not right, and Gigabyte hasn't responded in any meaningful way to either prove why the testing that has happened is incorrect. They just they're just basically saying you're testing it wrong, or to show hey, 
we did have a faulty supplier because I'm sure they don't manufacture these. They they get them from someone else and they white label them to say, hey, we've looked into this and, and we have a different part or we're recalling it. Like they're they're just doing everything wrong. Brianna, do you have any? So this is what we were alluding to at the beginning of the show is that Brianna watched <laughs> started watching one of these videos and I think you finished the first part and realized it was a cliffhanger. I did the first 30 <laughs> minute part of it because the very next video has this guy like pouring gasoline on the exploded power supply going, you know, they're making no. it up actually worse. <laughs> no, it's, can I just say how talented you have to be to make a video about a defective power supply yeah. engaging, but they do it and they go into it like their entire scientific like apparatus for testing this and they go into the the MOSFETs and the they break down the different components and then they explain like their methodology for the power uh, for for getting the uh, basically the circuit uh, per, the circuit breaker on it to engage the power uh, overload uh, protection on mm -hmm. it to engage. It's really interesting because they started at like sixty percent, seventy percent, eighty percent. Then they would go up to like one ten percent if they had to, and then whenever it would kick on, they would go back to the state right before it and try it again until they would pop it and just. A huge number of these uh, were broken. You know, in their testing, they got 50% of them to fail, uh, which matches up with what the uh, the reviews are on Newegg, where 50% of people are very unhappy with these. So it's, it's very, very rigorous testing. I guess, I mean, not to spoil the whole thing, but like how... I mean, Christina, as far as defending it, like was any of it credible what they were coming back with? No, yeah. no. I mean, literally, it, it was it was written really poorly, and and I'm not gonna like uh, critique the the language too much because I don't think that like the the teams that are writing this are probably like English. I don't think it's their first language, but it was basically kind of blaming both the reviewers and users, being like they didn't test it right, mm -hmm. and and uh, no, they they did. I mean, look, our it's valid to say that in most scenarios you're not going to be overloading you know the the um opp um well you know me no they're, they're usually that's <laughs> not going to be be the case in like normal um usage however it's again as i said it's not impossible to suggest that if you've got a system with a bunch of fans and a number of hard drives and a fast cpu and it's a 750 and you've got a 3080 or a 3090 it is not like inconceivable that you could approach or or trip opp at all right you know nvidia um nvidia is pretty clear about like the fact that these cards need higher um uh, psus and so you know like that's that's not um uncommon so yeah their their whole thing has been kind of be like some media outlets have been testing it wrong we will go ahead and and replace the units with people but they're not doing anything to say hey these are actually safe yeah we're, we're yeah. fixing the problem right which i think at this point like they have it on camera of some of them just like catching on fire and it's really scary and you have people who have their anecdotal reports of them just not being good devices and like a your power supply is usually one of the most important components you can get in your system you um people often don't like spend enough money on it and and even like oems like dell famously like often put crappy ones in their systems and stuff but it's an important component in your system and it's it's a fire hazard like it's a real yeah. like actual like risk if if you have something like this and just the sheer number of units they were able to get to trip and to do stuff in the course of their testing even in a small sample size, that's that's shocking. Yeah, the the one thing you want any electronic device to do is shut down if 
it is at risk of becoming overheated or overpowered. Like it, right. it's the one thing that you kind of need. <laughs> so yeah, it's very scary. Especially with a power supply because 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 a power supply is one of those things like you never want to try to repair it yourself. You never oh, want to open God. it up. You, no. you, you will kill yourself, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, like genuinely. So there, even to test them, you know, even like what some of the different groups, this is part of the reason why it's, it's hard to, uh, I think sometimes call manufacturers on this because there are very few places that have the sorts of labs that can do testing. Like this is something that actually, you know, like regulators and people should do. And, and I guess I'm sure that they do. And then, you know, passes whatever some of the regulations are, but I mean, like, this is something that, there should be a proper recall on this. And, and just the response from kind of everybody involved in this is pretty terrible. And I have to say, like, I have one of these power supplies. I've never opened it. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that whole aspect of it. Yeah, because you got this supply and you still have it wrapped in plastic because Absolutely. you wanted to resell it and then realize that could be very dangerous and bad. Well, e- even before I realized it could be dangerous, the reviews were really bad. So I got this thing in February and I was like, well, I'll just resell it. I'll sell it for 50 bucks or whatever. And I couldn't do it because the reviews were so bad. And and it was like, you know, there was like such a like thing, like at that point it was like, it's not gonna, it's it's gonna like, you know, bust on on opening. I was just like, I can't do that in good conscience. I can't no. do it. So I kept it around. And, and honestly, there was kind of a hope in the back of my mind. I was like, well, maybe if there is a big enough problem, there will be a recall and I can I can do an exchange or whatever and and get rid of that one, right? But now I'm like, I'm really glad that I didn't sell it. Even like I would have felt like like a like a jerk earlier. But now, but if I had, I would feel really bad, right? Like, and, and, and there, you know, what you could do is send it to Gamers Nexus for testing. <laughs> they have enough. They have enough. Um, okay. I, I, but otherwise, I, I absolutely would. And I almost did send it to them when they were putting out a call months ago, but I didn't get around to it. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I have one of these things. Uh, Newegg did reach out to me on Twitter and they were like, if you provide us with your serial number and something else, we might be able to see about a refund. I don't know. I'll work through them with that. I would hope that they would offer that same thing to everyone else and not just to me because I'm verified and have a following. Um, I'll need to have assurance of that before I go through with anything with them because uh, like $100 to me is not worth, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care enough. Yeah. Um, I really want Newegg to do the right thing and Gigabyte, frankly. I think like they need to do a proper recall. But Gigabyte, if you've been selling, and I know that as recently as just in the spring, as recently as a few months ago, they were still selling this power supply in bundles because I saw it. And I was like, really? Like, Eesh. obviously they have a ton of these they're trying to get rid of. And this is a lower margin item that they can put it, put in to, you know, get more money out of these bundles. I get why they have to do the bundles. I get it. I'm not even that opposed to it. I bought one. It's fine. But don't include a faulty product. And and moreover, if you have a faulty product that is something like this, even if there's not an official recall, let people return it. You you have, like, Newegg has the leverage that they could deal with Gigabyte to get their money back, right? Mm-hmm. Like, customers don't. So yeah, they yeah. should, at the very least, they should be letting people return it. Or people being like, I don't feel safe with this in my house. You shouldn't have to then say, okay, well, you have to give up the graphics card too. Yeah. Like, that's just <laughs> ridiculous. This isn't like and, – and, and to me, it's not because it's a bad product. Like that's annoying and, and I think, uh, you know, a bad retailer practice. But this is potentially an unsafe product. So freaking let people return it and 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 give them their money back. Even, even if you give them less than like whatever the MSRP on it was, you know, you can – however you calculated it, you know, in – 
in your bundle. Just give them give them a credit. Even, even if you don't want to like refund my credit card, give me a credit. I'll spend it at Newegg. I'll be happy to do that. I don't know. Do you remember, Christina? I was trying to find the list of <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, list of parts for my mega computer that you yeah. put together. I mean, gigabyte stuff is in there, right? Or am I misremembering that? I don't think so. Okay. No, because you have a you you, you have a um, unless they made your motherboard. I'm not really sure, but no, um, that's no, Asus. I, that's Asus. That's Asus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, then you didn't because you have a, a, a be quiet power supply. Yep. You had oh, Noctua right. fans, yep. um, Lee and Lee case. Um, yeah, now I, I, my personal system is a gigabyte motherboard and a graphics card. And then I obviously have the exploding PSU that I will never unopen. So <laughs> I'm not super excited to have this company's products in my machine. Not that they haven't been working perfectly well. well. The, that was the question I wanted to ask. Like, do you think, I mean, this is a huge, I mean, this is a scandal for them. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I know the next time I build a computer, I'm going to think twice before putting any of this stuff in there, partially because the testing that they found was uh, they had a RTX uh, 3080 uh, blew up as well, which was also a gigabyte. Right. They say in the video they can't attribute it to the power supply uh failing and blowing up or if it's something else with the card but either way it's gigabyte blowing up and not working with a freaking right. rtx 3080 in there which is a very hard thing to source so i yeah. mean it, I, i'm not the only one that this gives serious pause to right no yeah mm-hmm. no not at all i mean again like i've kind of in the back of my mind i've kind of been like holding my breath because I'm like, the last thing I want to happen is to have to send something to them for repair or RMA. Like, that's genuinely my nightmare, right? But at this mm-hmm. point, you can't find the cards. So you have to send it to them. And like, they have like a three-year warranty, which is fine and, and, and perfectly decent. But it's one of those things that's like, I'm sure that I could get American Express to step in and help out. But American Express is just going to give me my money back. They're not actually going to give me a graphics card, which is what I would need. But yeah, this mm-hmm. has caused me Definitely to, to rethink, like, because I've spent, you know, $1,500 with them um, on, on components, and I will probably not do that again because of how they've handled this. If they if they turn things around and handle it the right way, that's one thing. But as of right now, even though they are one of the largest manufacturers of motherboards and, um, and, and GPUs and other components, like, I'm not – I don't love this at all. And I, I definitely – would would not uh like i'm definitely i'm not gonna be like oh go buy a gigabyte thing today because at the very least we know their customer service is not good yeah so is a power supply like an engine like okay so i have a now I have a hang on to the- for a minute yes. do you want to continue yes. this topic or do you want I, me to tell I, you yes information <laughs> okay, go ahead about privacy.com and how they brought you this episode of Rocket. (laughs) Privacy is a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial lives online while keeping your most important information secure. They let you create virtual credit card numbers that will mask your bank information so that you never have to worry about giving that information out to people you know online. And what's more, you can set up like spending limits for yourself and cards that will like expire at certain times once you're, you know you need to be done using a service. Let me give you a specific example. A little website called REI... <laughs> acclaimed sports retailer is having a Labor Day sale and you're out of control. You've been dreaming about long underwear season for eight (laughs) months. You've been waiting for that Labor Day sale. But 
you've got to you've got to be frugal. You've got stuff coming up. You've got like food to buy and and rent to pay. You can only spend so much money at REI. Why not set up a virtual privacy card with a spending limit that will expire after a certain amount of time so that you only (laughs) spend the amount of money that you know you can afford at REI.com? And even if you are not a person with, say, habits that are bad, Hmm. you should like safety. In fact, you probably do like safety. Um, And this is a way to stay safe online because you're not giving out, you know, that really crucial, important information to websites willy-nilly as you go about buying things like candles and GPUs. (laughs) You know, Mm. the two things. Yep. Take back control of your payments. Decide who can charge your card how much, and how often. And you can close cards anytime you want. Plus, you can make sure that you're never accidentally billed twice or upgraded to another service without your consent. Privacy is also partnered with the good folks at 1Password. You can create, use, and save privacy cards directly within that 1Password dashboard. And all virtual cards created in 1Password will have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards. So you can set spend limits, create single-use or merchant-locked cards whenever you want and whatever you want. If you are interested in this, head to privacy.com slash rocket and sign up for an account. New customers will automatically get $5 to spend on their first purchase of long underwear at rea.com. To spend on their first purchase of whatever they want, $5. Go to privacy.com slash rocket and sign up now. Our thanks to Privacy for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Brianna, did you have some final <laughs> thoughts about... Power supply units. Well, I, I, I did. I so this is just like good advice for listeners. So when I was building my supercomputer, uh, you know, I added up all the voltage and it came to, if I remember correctly, uh, with the RTX 3090, uh, about 750 watts, right? Christine, right. in the in the power supply you you found for me was a be quiet thousand watt uh, power supply. I, I'm assuming, or at least I did when I was building it, that, that power supplies are like engines in that if I take my Cayman out to the track, I can run it near the red line, near max capacity for a while, but that's going to affect like the longevity of the, the engine life. So if you have something that you're running, at, say, 750 watts, it's better to get a larger, more powerful power supply. So then it's only running at you know, 60, 70 percent most of the time. Is, is that a correct assumption of this? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you'd like to have some headroom if you can. It's not going to be the same, I think, as a one-to-one with an engine where if you're like running it close to, mm-hmm. you know, that amount all the time where it's going to be a problem. But it, but it, it could be. I think the bigger thing is more like if you are going to be upgrading in the future or adding other stuff and you, you trip past that red line, that's when it could be a problem and when, you know, the system might technically have the capacity to do more than that, but might not uh, be able to. Like my system, because I have a small form factor uh, case, um, I needed to use an F an SF power supply. And there are only a few higher capacity models that work. And so mine is actually 750 watts, which 
is a little like I would have preferred an 850, but um, the brand that I got uh, for this particular one, Corsair, is good. It's it's a very high rated model, and the testing that I've seen done on it shows that it can take spikes even well over 750 watts. So I feel confident that it'll be able to power my system. But for you, for what you're wanting to do, I was like, yeah, let's let's have some headroom just because ideally, if you buy a good one, a power supply should be the sort of thing that like you have to replace once every decade, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not one of those things that you should have to replace every time you get a new computer. Like that's in an, in an ideal world. Um, but yeah, I, you're, you're not wrong. Like it, it's certainly one of those things, like if you're running your computer 24-7 all the time and you're always at that point, yeah, it's probably going to uh, not last as long. Um, so it'd be better if you had a higher capacity one that was chugging along you know, but yeah. Makes a lot of sense. I do do a little bit of uh, Bitcoin mining. All right. Let's move on to our dessert topic of the day. New trailer for the next Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man No Way Home, which I think I can comfortably say is Spider-Man is Inception now. <laughs> based on the, based only on aesthetics. Uh, so in the in this trailer, uh, Stop listening if you don't want to hear about the trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home, which is widely available online. Um, So Peter Parker has obviously been revealed as Spider-Man in the second movie. And this is very upsetting because it sucks to be a teenager and have your secret superhero identity revealed. So he goes to Doctor Strange and is like, bro, can you make everyone forget that and dr strange's spell gets messed up and turns the world into inception with things turning upside down and twisting all around and being wacky and fun i have a a few thoughts about this trailer uh but i would like to hear from you too brianna why don't we hear from you first I hate that you went to me first because I worry I have a negative opinion. Um, I, I, I like these films. I like all of the the modern Spider Man films. But to be honest, it's my, it's 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 not my favorite version of Spider Man. Right? Like he's likable, but. I mean, I just, I like the OG Spider-Man a lot more. I I really liked Andrew Garfield. I thought he's a very underrated Spider-Man in general. And, uh, you know, for this one, I'm, I'm most psyched about Doctor Strange. I think he's, he's like, he's like my surprise favorite Marvel movie series. I didn't think I'd like it at all. And it ended up being like my favorite. So um, I'm psyched about this, but my excitement is out of proportion for the rest of the internet. Interesting. It's just not your cup of tea. Christina, what about you? Okay. So I'm actually very excited about this. Um, I love, I love, 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 love the Sam Raimi Spider-Man series. Mm -hmm. Love it. Like I think Tobey Maguire, Tobey Maguire is my Spider-Man I disagree with you, Brie. I love Andrew Garfield. I did mm-hmm. not like those movies, but um, uh, but but and and I actually I wasn't that into this Spider Man at first, but I've come around on it. But this is why I'm into this trailer because like we we could be getting the other Spider Man back. Like that's the whole thing. Like this is why this is so exciting. So like this is. This is very exciting to me because um, it looks like there's going to be like this this multiverse where all the other maybe iterations of Spider-Man are also there. And that's incredibly exciting. Like we yeah. saw Doc Ock and like if we saw Toby, even if we saw Andrew Garfield, like I would I would be so excited for that. Like honestly, um, to see Toby in the spider suit again would be so great. So it has but, yeah. the potential to appeal even more to Brie 
then <laughs> yes <laughs> to, to perhaps make it up to you <laughs> i just want to say like i like i like andrew garfield as spider-man i didn't necessarily like those movies though i really liked emma stone and thought she was mm. very good as gwen stacy but I, I i know they're not good movies so a, a valuable <laughs> yeah, caveat no, and the, like, the actors are great and then yeah. they had good chemistry but yeah i i, I look i i um i think they're probably better than the subject matter i think the reason i like okay for me and i've said this before my favorite superhero film ever 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 is spider-man 2 mm-hmm. and uh like i think it's I think at least in like the pre-Dark Knight kind of like world, it is like the most pure, best encapsulation of a superhero film. I think it's like a perfect film in that regard. And uh, so um, I always have a soft spot, a soft spot for anything kind of Spider-Man in my head. But when, yeah, when I saw Doc Ock, I was like, okay, this is good. Like, because for so long, Sony has been like refusing to even acknowledge these other, you know, universes of Spider-Man, right? And mm-hmm. and certainly the rest of the Marvel franchise doesn't like acknowledge it. It's like it never happened, which is fair because they were completely different worlds then. I I'm into this. I I, I feel like this has the potential to be really good. That was the moment it hit for me too. Cause I I I was very I, we hear the word multiverse in the trailer, and I'm like, uh-huh, okay. We see Spider-Man with Doc Ock-esque little arms, and I'm like, uh-huh, okay. And then Doc Ock shows up at the end, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> now hang on a minute. <laughs> And I, I let out a little hoot of joy. Um, I, I chuckled is what I wrote down in my notes, but it wasn't so much a chuckle as it was a hoot. Um, so that 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 kind of got me excited. But I think predominantly my feelings were kind of like, because I, I feel less excited about these movies when they do try to do huge world scale events and i think this one could go either way because the the concept is pretty intimate where it's just like peter has a problem doctor strange tries to solve it and stuff goes wrong like that i i actually really like that concept and that being the catalyst for the plot but the whole like large scale like bridges blowing up and trains i don't know folding in on themselves and entire city blocks like rolling over like an inception that to me initially put me off because i was like "Eh, it's just it's gonna be like a big scale big fight superhero movie and what i appreciated so much about the first of this particular series of spider-man movies was just like how close to home (laughs) ha 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 yeah the whole plot was it felt really special um but yeah, by the end, it did bring me around, but I still kind of reserve a uh, reserve judgment. Do you two feel like, tell me if I'm just being too cynical here. Uh, so I thought Black Widow was a way above average Marvel movie. It was much better in Captain Marvel, but it was, it was frustrating because it felt like a Marvel movie way out of sequence just because it was before, Mm. you know, Avengers Endgame and everything in that movie that was supposed to have emotional weight had already been addressed. Right. right? In that same way, it feels like the Marvel movies, it, it feels like this entire plot is 
what is it doing? Like you can't help but read the tea leaves and see where they're setting up the entire Marvel like behemoth. So multiverse is going to be a big thing, which we know is going to, you know, play hugely into some mm-hmm. of the the next movies that are coming out. You've got Doctor Strange highlighting him for you know Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is coming out soon. I mean, don't you just kind of feel like you're? It's not a story for like the sake of a great story, as much as is these are all like part of this basically uh, giant corporation, like bringing us into a story. Yes, I, I do feel that very strongly. One hundred percent. Same, same, and and I feel the same way about like the Disney Plus series. Like I, I was surprised by how much I liked Loki, mm-hmm. um, but that was the same thing, kind of building into a multiverse thing, and and like WandaVision wasn't, which was at least that we can tell so far, which is, I think, why it was so, so stunning. Well, and I, I, I think that was also the complaint about the end of WandaVision is, like, that's the tie-in point. Like, that's the point where it starts to become about something bigger, and that was what put a lot of people off, even though the rest of the show was, you know, very, very acclaimed. Yeah, no, because it's a, it is a corporation, you know, Kevin Feige or whatever. Like, they, they want to sell, they want to make you know, the rest of their MCU going. And and I think this is a weird one because it's not an it's not a Marvel film, it's a Sony film, but they are being allowed to use some of the Marvel characters like Doctor Strange, which is, you know, they they've kind of borrowed one another a few times, but like this looks like this is the deepest um collaboration that we've seen between these two things, which is interesting. So from like a business side, I agree. But yeah, no, I I, I don't think you're being cynical at all. Like this is all about getting people to continue to go see these movies. I think the problem is, and, and we don't know when there will be another Avengers or how they'll do that again or whatnot, is that, you know, they've kind of essentially like ended like this like era of films. And now we kind of like don't know like, okay, well, what are we building to next? Right. Because there, there doesn't yeah. seem to be that, that one, that, that one kind of unifying strand. We're back in table setting. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm still excited though. I'm like, yes, still I, I, excited. I'm still excited. These are good ones. Okay. Hey. Oh, did you have a thought? I was just gonna say also. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say also. Like, I love you know like the even though it's not based on the uh, the movies obviously, but like the the, the PlayStation games were so good. Like, I, I'm just happy to continue to see movies because that will hopefully continue to like let people you know create like more good games because I really did think that the the, the Spider Man. Um, game and um, the the you know sequel of sorts or whatever is both fantastic. So well said. Before we get into what we're doing this week, I want to talk a little bit about what Relay FM is doing for uh, Childhood Cancer Awareness Month in September. So if you are were around last year, and hopefully you were, uh, Stephen and Mike had this like huge, huge fundraiser to raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Uh, that campaign is running again this year. I'm pre-reading it now uh, the, because the Tiltify page is up and they've already raised over $37,000. But that is merely a fraction of the way towards their goal of $333 so I am going to be putting the Tiltify link in the show notes. And I will also tell you that, like I said, September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And this is the third consecutive year that Really FM are supporting the life-saving mission of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, finding cures, 
saving children. St. Jude is leading the way the world understands, treats, and defeats childhood cancer and other life-threatening diseases, but they cannot do it without the help of people like you. Because of generous donors, families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, or food because all a family should have to worry about is helping their child live. For context, the average cost to treat just one child with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which is the most common form of childhood cancer, is $203,074. To make this possible, about 80% of the funds necessary to sustain and grow St. Jude must be raised each year from generous donors. So so that is what uh, Real FM will be working on for all of September. And there are some like very fun events that uh, have been planned as well to uh, like gain attention. And we will be participating in some of them. And I'll tell you more about them closer to the date. So this September, join Relay FM's efforts to raise the funds and awareness needed to treat and defeat childhood cancer. You can donate today at stjude.org slash relay. This year, any donor making a single gift of $100 or more will receive an exclusive Relay FM stickers of thanks pack at the end of the campaign. And the Relay FM podcast-a-thon for St. Jude will be happening on September 17th from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time at twitch.tv slash RelayFM. Tune in to, to help us support St. Jude and help us hit those fundraising goals. And you can go to stjude.org slash Relay to find out what milestone streams Mike and Steven will be doing when each milestone is reached. Uh, last year, Mike was put in a chamber of balloons. <laughs> Yes. And it was really, really good. I, I think we almost like they were a lot of balloons. He was he was lost. And he is, you know, a full sized adult human. Um, not easy to drown in balloons, but we did it. It was really cool. <laughs> so let's cure childhood cancer together. Go to stjude.org slash relay today. All righty. Yeah, we were thinking, I, I saw Stephen this weekend in Tennessee when we drove through, and we're thinking, all of us at Rocket are thinking about participating in the uh, Relay-a-thon. So if y'all want to see us, like, finally get together and play something on Twitch, I don't know, like, maybe Overwatch, I don't, maybe the new that, Aliens game. Bad optics for that right now, but, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, maybe another game. Yeah. Think um, of something. Let us know what you'd let us know what you'd want. Yeah, yeah. Let us know what you want to see us play because I would definitely do something for sure. All right, Christina, what are you up to this week? Um, so I'm uh just uh doing work stuff, just kind of uh, chilling. Um, I'm gonna be in L.A. um next week, um end of next week Ooh. for uh, Labor Day. I'm going to a concert and then going to Santa Barbara with a friend and her family. So um, I'm just kind of a it's like the final dog days of summer, right? So I'm just just uh, work stuff. Not, not nothing too exciting, other than uh, probably spending too much time on Twitter.com. <laughs> and Brianna, what about you? Uh, let's see. I am uh, tomorrow. I'm doing Bloomberg uh, with Emily Chang uh, to talk about the cool. Activision situation. Always a good time. She's amazing. Uh, and I am working on uh, this weekend uh, a new secret thing I can't talk about yet. So, but it will take up my whole weekend. Honestly, I'm, I'm trying, still trying to recover. Uh, you know, with the hurricane hitting uh, this weekend, I had to suicide drive all the way from Hattiesburg, Mississippi to Boston, which was 20 
five and a half hours of driving. And I did that in under 48 hours. <laughs> so it was such a crazy time. I'm still a little bit off. Like that was a, it was a big ask. Yeah, that tropical storm was nuts. That's a ton. Yes. We got like the, just the pure rain end on New York. I don't know what they got further south where you were. I literally drove through the entire hurricane, like oh, no. all of that, because I was in my 997. So I can say the Porsche 911 is actually very good for a hurricane. So, all right. Well, <laughs> I'm glad that you're safe and I'm glad that you have uh, tested that car. <laughs> <laughs> You, when if you if you sell this one, you can make that part of the. Uh, I almost <laughs> said the ad the read. What do they call it? The copy. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh, uh, I have huge news. I'm still playing this freaking kittens game. Oh my god! Screw you so hard for like oh. making me play that. I had to turn it off because it's terrible. Yeah, it it is a nightmare. Um. So I I had a, a terrible event happen actually Thursday. Yeah, uh, at, at, separately from my wonderful video about French video games going up on Polygon, uh, Thursday was the day after we recorded this show, I decided I'm going to reinstall my OS on my iMac because it's been just, it's from 2015. It's been dragging so much for video editing. I'm between editing projects. Why not do it? I saved my Kittens browser game. I shut everything down. I, I was logged in, saved it, shut everything down, reinstalled my whole OS. It went so smoothly, a wonderful process. I reinstalled all my programs. I opened Chrome. I went back to kittensgame.com. I logged in and I found that there was nothing there because it did not automatically sync with the cloud when I saved it. And I posted about this on Twitter like, hey, is there a way to recover your game if it doesn't sync with the cloud, even though you saved it and we're logged in? And people were like, yeah, you can, you know, navigate to where your Chrome's temporary files are stored and check in there because you might be able to, like, find the file and, you know, upload it and read it and then re-import it to your game. And I was like, what if you wiped your OS and reinstalled it? <laughs> and they're like, USOL. Yeah, the this very specific use case. Not very specific, but a very that firmly made that completely impossible. So I did have completely to completely impossible. restart my game. But the good news is, or the bad news, haha, is that I'm further than ever before. Um, which is sad for me. <laughs> You're further than ever before. I'm. I don't know if to be proud or or like. You should be very sad for me. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say trying to figure it out. Like, yeah. And every day I go on Twitter and someone's. <laughs> I'm reading the responses to my tweets about this horrible game, and someone's like, "How dare you tell me about this?" So podcaster podcast listeners, I'm sorry. I have to yeah. share the problems that I'm going through. Don't play this game. It'll ruin your life. I can't tell you that <laughs> firmly enough. Don't listen to me. Don't go there. Don't go to kittensgame.com. Um, and that's my story. So that's what I'm doing this week still. Go watch my video at polygon.com. It's not about that at all. Hey, Brianna, where can we find you online? I can find me on uh, Brianna Wu on Twitter. And Christina? 
You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Remember to follow me on Instagram in the hopes that I eventually reach 10,000 followers. I'm not actively posting, so that's going to take a while um, so that I can dress up in a clippy costume. Um, It will not be this week, unfortunately, but uh, I will be sure to remind everyone next week that because I will be going out of town and in a hotel, hotel tours will be coming back, which I know is everyone's favorite, like, thing that I do on Instagram. So. Yay. And you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar. But again, don't go there. More importantly, my videos are at youtube.com slash polygon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rocket. If you liked it, I hope that you will leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And failing that, I hope that you will share it with a friend. Spread the love and joy. Tell them not to listen to the last uh, 10 minutes or so if you want them to not hate me for telling them about Kitten's Game. Other than that, uh, just five-star content all the way around, I think, with this one. So, uh, thank you. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.